Marketing, entrepreneurship, and all things small business. You're listening to the Profit 911 Podcast. Now, here's your host, Justin Miller. Hey, hey, we're still alive. <laughs> it's been a while. It's a hiatus, sabbatical, forgotten marketing effort. Yeah. I, yeah. I don't, it's been about five months since we've posted. Maybe slightly more by the time this goes live. Uh-huh. A lot has happened. <laughs> a few things have happened, yeah. <laughs> oh, my goodness. So if anyone's wondering why it didn't get recorded, well, it's primarily because it didn't re- get recorded. But we were busy. So a lot of growth has happened here at Profit 911. Staffing things, all kinds of stuff, which gives us more fodder for podcasts, but no time to actually record them. <laughs> but... We're back and finally, deli- I'm sure there were people on a cliffhanger from last October waiting for Still episode, waiting. episode 32 uh-huh. on firing clients. It's they, true. They probably thought we got fired or something, but, but no, no. We, we had to practice what we were preaching so that by the time we recorded, I, I could tell you how that turned out. Sure. So you just got to stay one step ahead. No, but really, we're going to talk about two things on this one. We're going to talk about firing clients and uh, what it means, why you might want to do it and how to actually do it. And we're going to talk about the uh, big one in the room for 2022 and the end of 2021 for that matter, which is inflation and uh, pricing uh, strategies and tactics and how to deal with the uh, craziness that's in pretty much every single industry. I mean, my $5 Taco Bell lunch today was $7. So I went and got a fish sandwich and noticed that the like Frisco burger at Hardee's was like ten seventy five for a meal. I mean, who eats fast food and pays $12 for a burger and a fry and a drink? Apparently everyone does. Wow. <laughs> yeah, so you're right. If, if you can go to Taco Bell and got to spend $7, your things have gone up. And it wasn't even one of those fancy Taco Bells, you know, like the yeah. cantina one. Mm-hmm. I digress. That's the second half of the show, Kevin. We're getting ahead of ourselves. <laughs> right. so, so firing clients. So pretty much every small business owner has had a pain-in-the-ass client at some point. Mm-hmm. And uh, probably as soon as I said that one, jumped in your head and gives you the, the heebie-jeebies really quick. <laughs> and so the question is, what the heck do you do with these people? And the answer depends on a few things. And you know, some of it comes down to how big a client they are for you, uh, which is unfortunate because at that point you're making a bit of a trade-off. So we won't talk too much about that one because if you knowingly compromise what you want, I, I can't help you with that one. Um, but oftentimes you'll have a client that's just, uh, well, a pain in the ass. They're stressful. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe they're a lower paying client and you're busy and your time could be spent with higher paying clients. Maybe they pay a fair amount of money, but at the end of the day, you're not making any profit. That happens too, especially on wholesale arrangements. Um, maybe they're the one that always tries to control the process. So they hire you to do something and then want to dictate how you do the something you were hired for. We, we have this occasionally slip through on, on the digital marketing side of things. You know, someone wants to come in and dictate what tools we use and, and how we build uh, after, of course, we've done all the research and presented the solution that they agreed to. So, I mean, this happens quite a bit. This happened in your other business, Kevin, too. I mean, with weddings. And yeah. <laughs> I know it because, you know, I ran mm-hmm. that business for a while. Yep. And when we say that, people are going to think of bridezillas, but... That wasn't always the case. No, not always. I mean, it can be a variety of things. It can be a vendor sometimes that's difficult to deal with, you know? Oh, 
yeah. Others that you have to get along with or play nice with. You have to play nice with certain people. Yeah, I mean, you're in the sandbox. You have to be able to get along at least enough. Because nobody wants to just do an event somewhere and never come back. (laughs) You know, you don't want to have a great wedding, but piss off the venue and have them never refer you again. Sometimes, maybe. It depends well, on how long the load-in was. But. Yeah, well, that's true. <laughs> I haven't had to worry about that much over the last couple of years. So. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sticks strong in my memory. Those that not in the event world. just If you've been to a conference center, a hotel, and there was an event, and you didn't see a bunch of gear moving through the hallways, it, you know, it probably was a pain in the ass for the person that moved the gear going through kitchens and back mm-hmm. the hallways and yeah. freight elevators. Yeah. There were some scary ones. Um, every once in a while, you also get a client that just seems to be on a power trip. You know, they're kind of that high charging driver personality and you know, just want to hear themselves toot their own horn. And yeah, normally you can catch those up front. So if you accept work from them, again, your own fault. Um, our general thing here is, you know, we try and work with clients that are pleasant to work with, appreciate us, let us do our job. And I don't have a whole lot of tolerance for ones that don't fall in line. I mean, there's, there's plenty of other ones that are. It's just, it's not worth it. The other ones are the victims. You know, everything's a cluster and it's not their fault whatsoever. Or, or everything's urgent. Like, oh God. You know? Yeah, right now. <laughs> yeah, and then they take two weeks to get back to the email and then it's urgent again. Yeah. I, I think we, we actually have one going on right now that I believe the client has emailed three times in the past half hour. But of course, you know, it took 24 hours to get that first one back to us, so... I mean, we, we see this a lot. So the first thing is to identify what your acceptable boundaries are, what you're willing to put up with or, or what your preferred mechanisms for work are so that you can, I mean, figure out when someone deviates from it so you can identify it to start with, right? And, it, and if you haven't thought through this, then it's arbitrary and you're going to cause some backlash if you start firing them. So you got to figure out what's... Uh, what your mode of operation is? Mm-hmm. Modus operandi? Oh, look at that. Fancy. I, I don't know. Uh, Dan Kennedy you know, calls it personal operating systems, what he calls it. Yeah, because uh, if you don't have that, and every time you, every time you uh, decide to fire a client or be upset by a client, you're just changing the rules, and then you know it gets around that, well, you did that for so-and-so, and you don't do that for me. Oh, I'm glad you pointed that out because one of the reasons people don't fire clients is they're worried about the backlash. Yeah. You know, what's, what's, this person's going to be pissed off and they're going to tell everyone and they're going to destroy my business. And mm. first off, if they actually say that, then you, you can just ignore them because everyone that knows them understands that's the way they work. True. <laughs> yeah, that kind of word gets around. People who do that kind of stuff are, yeah, are known to be that way. Yeah, no, no one's listening to them anyway except themselves. <laughs> um. But if you've, if you've actually, you know, structured how you're working and you've explained it to someone and they still don't want to fall in line, you know, then we get into the tactical. How do you actually fire the client? And this is actually not as difficult as anyone makes it out to be. It's like emotionally difficult and draining, but it's almost like firing an employee or a team member. You know, the worst part is everything until you fire them. Mm-hmm. Um, and then assuming you're a rational, logical business owner, it's usually no surprise to them that they're being fired and and your team will applaud you when the person's gone if they didn't fit anyway. Um, I I mean, really, there's only a couple of elements to firing them. One is you set an end date or a comply-by date if you're giving them another chance. Uh, You notify them. 
you, you can't be passive aggressive on this. Well, there is one way to do that. I'll show that in a minute. But for the most part, you need to notify them, you know, either if they're not playing by your rules, how they need to get in line or, you know, we're going to serve you through X date. And then after that, you know, find someone else. You can refer them out. So this is this is a fun way, assuming assuming that either the person you're referring them to is a better fit, which is you know possible, or that they're your mortal enemy and you're sending them that your poor client. But you can refer them out and say, you know, this person really fits your style or what you're looking for better. And that's a win-win if it's true. Um, then there's the passive-aggressive one. You just keep raising the price until they won't pay it anymore. And if they do keep paying it and you keep raising it and they keep paying it, I guess you can hire someone else to just deal with that person for you or answer your email and pretend that they're you. Uh, <laughs> uh, typically, the pain in the ass ones will go away when you raise the price, by the way. Um, almost without exception, your, your difficult clients are the lowest paying ones in, in all industries. I mean, again, Kevin, you and I have similar backgrounds, but are currently operating in different industries. Uh, are there any that jump to you that, you know, fit the model? It's usually the cheap ones. That are That's paid? true. It really is. And I, whether it's corporate clients or whether it's the wedding industry, it, yeah, the most fuss made by the one with the smallest checkbook. I mean, I'd like this and I'd like that. And well, you didn't pay for that. That's not what we discussed this. And if you wanted that, it was this or you're right. The very, because until I bought your DJ business, I didn't do a lot of really high end work. I did a lot of smaller weddings or school dances or whatever. I found within a year or two, you're right. The bigger clients who were referred by the country clubs or the big clients who came to us, they really, they maybe there was more details. There was more to do, but they were usually so much easier to work with. Yeah, I mean, I, I've seen it posted on the internet as the you know wealthy versus the super wealthy or mm-hmm. the rich versus the yeah, wealthy. Yeah. It, take the labels for what they're worth, but oftentimes it's true. You know, the most demanding really are just, they're trying to keep up appearances. You yeah. know, it's a, it's a shell game. Mm-hmm. And the ones that really have it, you know, value human beings, and it's part of the reason they got to where they're at. Because yep. um, at, the, at the end of the day... You know, everything in business is all about people. So one, one of our core values is people over profits. Now, that doesn't mean the profit's not important. In fact, if it's not there, you know, we're, we're not a nonprofit. We're not going to continue serving that person. But the relationship does come first, given that there's money flowing. Um, and, and that being said, we value our relationships as well. So if someone's abusing us and we're in an abusive relationship... Mm-hmm. Not very healthy. You get out. Not healthy. It's true. For the it's business. not. It's not healthy for the business, for the morale of the business, the staff. I mean, that's that's true. And uh, a lot of times, this doesn't hit the balance sheet immediately. So you know, you might take a hit if you fire a client in the short run, but it will be made up for in spades with, you know, probably staff morale more than anything. But you know, your future clients will be better as well, and, and you'll find someone better to replace that person. Um, bottom line though is set the end date, notify them and, uh, move on with life. (laughs) I mean, at the end of the day, a lot of things we deal with when you cut out the emotion are very simple. Yeah. Uh, cutting out the emotion obviously is not simple, but you know, the solution is, um, yeah, let's, let's take a quick break. I I mean, that's really all there is to firing clients, but let's deal with kind of related or similar, but also just the massive thing going on in the world right now that you can't escape, which is the inflation. 
and uh, what you need to do to one survive, but hopefully you know thrive even more. Not because of it, but in spite of it. So we'll take a quick break. We'll come back. We'll talk about what to do with the craziness of pricing in the U.S. and and world for that matter right now. And now, now back to the Profit Nine One One podcast with your host Justin Miller. We are back. We're going to talk a little bit about uh, what's going on in the world. Inflation. We're not going to talk about the why because doesn't matter. Irrelevant. Everything's going up in price. As business owners, we need to learn to uh, deal with it, get on board with it, get ahead of it, and uh, not let it destroy us. And I think this is much harder for small business owners to do than larger businesses. I, I see posts online on social media from small business owners that struggle with this, like the very thought of it. You know, we, we were chatting at the break. You were mentioning gas prices. Now, we're on the border of Illinois, Iowa, and there's a distinct difference from taxes between the two. Um, but either way, it's expensive. It's gone up. Mm-hmm. I, I don't, to be honest with you, I don't pay much attention to the gas price. I just, See, that's weird because I, I fill it up. and I kind of do. I filled up. I was in Illinois a couple days ago, and I was, like, on empty. So it was four forty nine a gallon. So I put five bucks in it. Drove back to Iowa because I knew I wouldn't make it. Probably found a Quick Star, three sixty one a gallon. I saved like eight dollars, and I felt like it was I won the day or something. Yeah, see, and that must mean it actually came down a little bit because I think we were like four sixty nine, four seventy nine, something like that over here. Well, to think that just between two states there's sixty or seventy or eighty cents tax difference, it's crazy. Yeah, just I multiply it by the number of gallons I'm getting and figure it was a value meal at Taco Bell. So. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> I get it. The convenience is worth it to me, but it is a reflection of, of everything that's going on right now. So, you know, I'm in the print mail business and the paper supply chain has been disrupted. Every supply chain has, everyone I talk to has their own disruption in their supply chain, but you know, paper is among them. Price has probably gone up 30% in the past year. Uh, there's an, every couple of months, there's another notice coming from our wholesaler. There's this price increase of six to 12% on these items going into effect on X date. And also there's a shortage, by the way, so it's fairly irrelevant. It's not like you can go buy it elsewhere. In fact, we're like uh, super thankful that we can actually purchase these products. You know, <laughs> you got to thank the paper gods that you have supplies to uh, continue to stay in business and serve your clients. Um, and this is across the board. Uh, I have some friends in fast food and... Well, they're, they're concerned. They have supply chain issues, and they're concerned how far can we bump the pricing up. And, you know, we were joking at the onset here, but you know, Taco Bell price went up 40% on the meal I was getting. Yeah. And at this point, uh, yeah. It's I, one I, thing I, to wax nostalgic about a $5 sub from Subway, knowing that now oh, that— $5 foot long. Yeah, yeah I mean, like, now that— Oh, yeah, like that. foot long is like 10 11 bucks. I find I'm— I'm not eating out less, but I think it'll get to that point because I don't know what it is about an eleven or twelve dollar fast food meal. I'm <laughs> like, that's just eight, eight, nine bucks was one thing. I, I don't know. It, uh, yeah, you're right. I don't know if it, you get to a point where you're like, wait a minute, no, we got to cut that out. You can still go to Wendy's and get a five dollar bag or whatever. So I mean, yeah. I don't know. It, so, so I mean, like the the small restaurant owners sitting there sweating this, right? 
Yeah. They're like, oh my God, our supply costs are going up. I, I don't really want to redo the menus again. Uh, people are going to stop. People are going to stop eating out as much. Like sure. you said, that's yeah. that's what they're scared of. Um, you know, like the 30 franchise owner looks at it, but raises the prices because the inputs went up, the outputs have to go up. Have to. And for me, if I like last night, my wife and I went out for a nice dinner. We hadn't been out on a you know date night for a while. And uh, I didn't mind spending $48 on uh, appetizer, two burgers, and a couple drinks because it was really good and it was a good time. We're not going to go to Wendy's and have a date night, and I feel like I got <laughs> myself ripped off for spending $22. It's just a difference. Oh, well, the babysitter cost you 40 bucks for that. Uh, <laughs> luckily, well, no, it was dance night. We, we've learned how to do date night when she's at dance class, oh, so oh, we're, we're only having to pay one. Yeah, the baby. I, I almost don't want to go out now because I'm averse to paying the babysitter more uh, money than then the food's going to cost. Yeah, there's inflation in that, too. We oh. just we just finally uh, were able to hire a summer nanny. We've been hunting for like six, seven weeks probably, and same thing there. You know, price, price has gone up. Am I going to want to be a summer nanny? Uh, maybe. Yeah, you change my job? I mean, it's an employee. It's, it is a job. <laughs> well, no, I mean, it, it's like anything. When suddenly you're looking at uh, it, co- it, it's going to cost me what? Yeah. Wow. It just, you know, you joke about it and say, well, I'm in the wrong business. Yeah, so, I mean, we had to do this. Our... Last price increase increase was September of last year, and we just had another one here, uh, uh, March one. So two price increases increases in half year, uh, and we absorbed some in the meantime temporarily too. So I mean, if we if we went up every time that our costs went up, there would have been more. Um, we'd end up at the same dollar amount, by the way, but uh, it would have been more frequent, and we would have been sending those letters out saying, "Hey, it's it's going up again. It's going up again." Which the, the scary thought is, if you have a repeat buyer, they're going to see that and they're either going to consume less or they're going to question their initial purchase again. You know, you're, you're, as the business owner, you're thinking, okay, are, is this going to get to the point where the cost supersedes the value? Or is it a situation where, since it's across the board in all facets of life, does that person that buys from you just knows that they can accept it? They don't like it, but they can accept it? Or are yeah. we not at that point yet where, where it's, I'm seeing it everywhere, so I'm going to eat it from my supplier? I mean, that's my personal philosophy. Yeah. Is it's not within our control. Either get on board or you're going to be left behind. So will you lose clients? Maybe. We lost some. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we already had them targeted before we raised the price, though. We were like, okay, these three you knew who might be, are yeah. probably going to drop. They're our biggest pain in the asses anyway. It well, might even be a win. <laughs> that's, then that's kind of a win based on the first yeah. segment. Yeah, I mean, the top line goes down a little, but you know, at the end of the day, we're more efficient. Everyone's happier, and uh, the clients that we have, we can serve better because we're happier. So, you know, will, will it backfire raising the price? Probably not. Not... This is not a unilateral price increase. So if you find some of my previous trainings on raising prices, and those were in the event industry, but the uh, strategies hold true regardless. Um, one of the things you could do was just a unilateral price increase, which says I give myself a raise. This is not what we're talking about right now. This is a completely different environment than I, mm-hmm. when I recorded that. This is a you know market adjustment type raise. Um, so costs are up. Here's the bottom line is if you don't raise them and your input costs are up, you're the one that's going to be caught holding the bag. So do you want to pay for the inflation on behalf of everyone else that raised their rates? No. <laughs> no, is at least for me. Or at least I don't want to pay all of it. Yeah. I might eat 
most of it, but I don't want to eat none of it. Well, now, see, this is interesting because should you? Yeah. I mean, is that fair? Did you provide less of a service? And, and this is what we struggle with. Um, or, you know, for an interim amount of time, you, you do absorb it. But the only reason, the only logical reason to do that is if you think the pricing may come back down again. We're talking about external factors, though, completely beyond your control. And I wouldn't hold my breath at this point. (laughs) On a personal note, I don't think they're coming back down. It's very hard to bring it back down, especially since wages moved up with it. Yeah. No no one's going to go around cutting wages (laughs) across the entire economy anyway. It's just not going to happen. So, you know, costs are up. Someone's going to be caught holding the bag if they don't raise it. This is what I tried to explain to, you know, there was one client that dropped that, um, was not a pain in the ass client. We didn't want to see go, you know, the, the bottom line advice, which was probably worded a little more careful to her was figure out how to raise your prices or you're going to be out of business, mm-hmm. which, and, which may or may not be received well on their end. Right. Yeah. And that's, I'm sure I worded it a little more carefully, but at the end of the day, when that person sits back and reflects, either they're going to be at a place where, you know, they did raise their price or they're going to be at a place where they're extremely hurting. Mm-hmm. And if it's just you as the business owner, so you aren't like factoring in wages and stuff, well, all you did was handcuff yourself and now you can't hire people. You know, some of our most listened to episodes, which it's kind of funny, obviously there's still small numbers, so I will say that with a grain of salt, but all of them tend to revolve around staff from what I've seen. Mm-hmm. So we'll talk more about those, of course, but... Um, at a certain point, that's all you have to grow. You know, you can't throw more money or stuff at a problem. You got to throw people at it, um, preferably talented ones, and that costs money. <laughs> so, all right, let's talk about how. So, you've decided, yes, my costs are up. I know I have to pass this along. Now, how am I going to do it without creating a crisis? <laughs> and and this is the real concern, right? And it's just like firing your clients. Set a time, set a new policy, voice it, make it clear, stick to it. If you get someone that's negotiating or doesn't accept the new pricing, well, you have your new pain-in-the-butt client, and you can refer back to the first half of the episode. And there's going to be some. There's no way around it. Um, they're the ones that are going to get left behind in business overall, though. Uh, you know, race to the bottoms, know where you want to be. If your clients are competing down there, it's hyper-competitive. Yes, there is a winner always, but not usually a long-term advantage. Um, so announce it in advance. Do it via multiple media. So here's your, your biggest problem. If you have like ongoing clients like we do, we have people that order the same thing every month or they have a mailing that goes out every month. So they know that price that's going to hit them. You need to make sure they actually get your message about the price going up. So when we raise them, we email, of course. We also send letters advising of it. And uh, between those two, they should be have. If we have one or two that miss the memo, we'll deal with them. Well, we better trust them. <laughs> it's not a negotiation tactic. Um, and stick to it. I mean, you can't go back on your vendors and lower their prices, so why should you be the one holding the bag? Is it scary? Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, but even raising your prices in good times when costs are level. Nobody ever thinks it's the perfect time to raise a price, but this isn't about like arbitrarily raising prices. This is about survival. Yeah. 
Now, let me share some good math if you want to take uh, advantage of this time. Not taking advantage of your customers, but advantage of the time. So, I mean, everyone complains about the giant corporations making record profits, blah, 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 blah. I, I don't care. You know, go them. I probably hold their stock in my retirement, as do probably the people complaining, right? But if we look at this in a number sense, and your cost of input goes up. So take my printing industry. We say cost of paper goes up 15%. And most other things do as well. And I raise my price 15%. Chances are my profit percentage actually went up doing that. I was going to say that. You're, yeah, because, yeah, if your increase is in one area or two areas, you're, you're right. You're, that's a good thought. I, didn't, I hadn't thought about that. So this is either a time to do that because everyone's going up. Uh, and what's reasonable and customary for percentage-wise, everyone's kind of aware of. Mm-hmm. Um, or that's going to buy you buffer until the next increase if we continue on this cycle. So it's important to do that now so that every two weeks you're not raising the prices. Now, there are industries, obviously, that are directly tied to the cost of input and constantly have to be checking that. So larger print operations, you know, their pricing is real time. Like, they're looking at the supplies and every job's priced out based on that current moment in time and what it costs. We don't do that. We're, we're a service-based business that happens to provide print and mail. So we have enough buffer in there that we don't have to do that. But you have to look at what yours is. Fast food would be another one. You know, razor slim margins. You know, they probably need to bump frequently or make sure they have buffer in there. And the price isn't probably as inelastic as they think it is. You know, as much as I, you know, rolled my eyes at the $7 box meal. I didn't really care, but it was noteworthy. Yeah, you, know, yeah. As you notice it. Yeah, you notice it. I mean, same thing at Subway or other places. I tend to, unfortunately, do that where I'm like, what did I used to be able to get that for? <laughs> well, it's not, it's not, it's a different era yeah. now. You're right. And it, it is across the board. It doesn't matter whether you're shopping for groceries or gas or, you know, getting lumber to put something on the house. I mean, everything. And it's not even just pricing. Now, in a lot of places, I mean, do you remember when, like, during the pandemic, you'd go to fast food places and be like, well, we don't have any number ones. We don't yeah. have that beef. Well, not only that, but multiple of them closed for multiple days a week. Yes. Well, some of them are still, I'm amazed at how many of these fast food places are now closed at 7 o'clock at night or 8 o'clock that used to be yeah. open till midnight. That's, to me, I, don't, I assume that's more of a staffing issue than it is a shortage of burgers. Yeah. You know. But it's a, it's a pricing thing, right? Yeah. I assume if we raised wages to 25 bucks that you could find people to work overnight, but the rest of the math doesn't work. Right? I'm not paying. Yeah, then I, I'm, then I really will be unhappy with my $18 burger meal. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, that's the thing. I mean, if you, if you stay open till midnight, it's probably not profitable in a fast food restaurant now. You're not going to make the money back, so close at 7, yes. save your money. So, I mean, one of the other, I, I won't identify them, but because if anyone's listening locally, they'll know, but fast food owners... Um, it was probably six months ago I had posted that, you know, they, they stopped advertising to decrease sales, to decrease stress load on the good staff that they had. Mm-hmm. They didn't want to lose them. And yeah, they had to close hours too. So they completely morphed the business around maintaining their current staffing needs. Now I think by the, I think the labor market's loosening up a little bit. I think there's people back in it a little more again. We're, we're definitely not where we were two and a half years ago, but um, it's as of now <laughs> in 
April 1 when we're recording this. It, it, it seems to be getting a little better as far as availability of labor. Uh, and it depends ge geographically and skill set wise. But uh, hopefully that's moving the right way. Uh, hopefully inflation's kind of stopping, leveling off. I, I, don't, I don't know. I, I'm committed to continuing to deal with it. Um, we don't have choice again, but yep. I want to stay in front of it and be a victor rather than a victim. It's way easier to be in front than it is to realize you're behind it and have to react. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean all I think is all the contracts and things that were in place before now I get to pay back cheaper. So, you know, rent actually just got cheaper in the value of the dollar. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, granted, I'm the landlord too, so that kind of sucks on the other pocket. But, uh, <laughs> uh, I mean, there's like I said, there's winners and losers on each side of the deal. Uh, if you happen to be in a, a business like ours, we create our own money. You know, we're a marketing agency. Our clients have to generate more revenue to justify us to start with. So I, everyone wins. And, and hopefully that's the type of business you're in because it's a heck of a lot more fun to be in that type of business. Mm -hmm. um, but there are some win-lose businesses and uh, a little bit different game. Um, that being said, you know, stay in front of it. You're not in control of it by any means. Uh, and at the end of the day, yes, I believe your clients are in the same boat. They understand everything has gone up on them. You're just one of many things. You're not going to destroy their day or their business uh, if you're B2B. Um, we're all in this together. I think everyone can still succeed, too. I don't, I don't think there's anyone that intentionally is going to be destroyed by this. Um, there's risk at every corner, but uh, you can get out of it. Next episode, we're going to come back. We're going to talk about getting everyone rowing in the same direction. So we're going to talk about company values and how they uh, drive decisions within the company. This was a major initiative we did earlier this year, and I'll be sharing everything we learned and more on next episode. See you then. Thanks for listening to the Profit 911 Podcast. Be sure to subscribe and leave your comments. For more information on how Profit 911 Consulting can help grow your service business, visit Profit911.biz.